We may try doing some adjusting. Yeah, that helps. Can you see that a little better? Is that a little better? Okay, great then. I need to ask forgiveness twice from you uh, tonight. First, I need to ask forgiveness because I'm not wearing a jacket. Uh, those sinuses are still acting up and don't want to run the risk of getting overheated in the jacket and then I can't stop coughing, so I'm not wearing a jacket tonight, so please forgive me. The second area of forgiveness would be the fact that uh, I need to leave as soon as service is over. Uh, there are some people that are uh, kind of in a bad way and they need a lot of help and I'm supposed to uh, start working with them at about 730 uh, so I need to go to my house. Internet's a little better there, more stable. And I need to uh, get on the internet with them and try to start helping them. Please keep that couple in your prayers tonight. Have you ever felt like that guy? Life is like you're pushing a boulder uphill all the time. And that boulder is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Hardships. Hardships come to all of us. How do we handle it? Especially in light of your five. Because your five will take notice on how you handle hardships. Now what's hardships? Those are things that are out of your control that are difficult. And they get you down. And they're hard. Because they're hardships. This morning we talked about the difference between facts and practical application. It's good to know facts. It's good to know that God is always with us. That's a fact. But we need to put it into practical application. We need to live our lives 24-7 as if God is always with us. This morning we talked about pain. Pain of life. Physical pain, emotional pain, abusive pain, the pain of rejection, the pain of having people that we used to count on who turned their backs on us. Tonight we talk about hardships because that's next up for Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4. He's going to talk about the reality of life's uphill hardships. But the good thing is as Christians we can overcome hardships. I truly believe that. Now, your five need this lesson. Once again, these five paper cutout dolls, use those five to represent your five, the five people that you love so much, but who are not faithful Christians. Right now, if your five were to die, they have no hope of heaven. And that's hard to say because you love your five. 
So your five need your example from this lesson tonight. I need to tell you the story of George, who is 82, or excuse me, 92, and Jane, who is age 89. <clears throat> they were all excited. They had decided to get married. Hey, wow, they were excited. One evening, they were out taking a, a walk, and they happened to uh, walk past the drugstore. So George said to Jane, hey, let's go inside. So they went inside and they saw the, the pharmacist and he wasn't busy. So they walked up to him and said, uh, sir, we have some questions for you. Do you carry heart meds? Do you have a uh, support hose for people with uh, poor circulation? Uh, how about rheumatism meds and osteoporosis meds and arthritis meds? Do you carry Depends? How about hearing aid batteries, denture supplies, reading glasses, Geritol, Insure, wheelchairs, walkers, canes? To every one of their questions, the pharmacist said, yes, we have that. Finally, the pharmacist said, but why are you asking me these questions? To which George smiled and said, we want to use your store as our wedding registry. You know what George and Jane were doing? They were getting prepared. They were getting prepared for the hardships, for the trials they knew were coming in life. Paul wrote, 2 Timothy chapter 3, Yes, and all, not some, not a few, but all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will, not might, not sometimes, but will suffer persecution. Jesus said, John 15, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Friends, hardships, are coming our way. If you choose to follow Jesus, former friends will harass you, make fun of you. People will persecute you and you will suffer for it in some way. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves. This word arm, that's a military term. It's like the soldier who grabs his rifle, getting ready for battle. Arm yourselves also with the same mind. Have the same attitude that Jesus had. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. We need to be prepared because you're five. Your five, those five people that you love, need it so much. Jesus came to earth in the flesh, prepared to die. He came knowing that he would die in order to save us from our sins. And you must come with the same kind of mental preparation. So arm yourselves with Jesus' attitude. Hardships will come our way. That is, if we're truly living the Christian life, 
Because if we're truly living the Christian life, it's an upstream battle all the way. When Ronald Reagan, my personal favorite president during my lifetime, when he gave his first inaugural address, I remember it quite well. He made reference to those real simple white crosses that mark the graves out at Arlington National Cemetery. He called attention to one cross that represented a young man named Martin. Martin had died in 1917 in a very brave attempt to rescue his fellow soldiers. He had actually kept a diary. In that diary, he wrote these words, America must win this war. Therefore, I will work. I will save. I will sacrifice. I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost. Notice all the first person pronouns. I'll do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. Your five, your five need to see this kind of attitude as we face up to the hardships of life. Martin had armed himself with the right attitude. So he was ready to give his life for his country in the same way you too must arm yourselves with the right attitude. You too must be mentally prepared to suffer like Jesus did. And that starts with a choice. A choice. Choose right now to be done with the old way of life. Choose right now to forego an indulgent lifestyle. Choose right now to abandon your sin. Your five need to see Christ living in you 24-7. It is our hope, it is our wish, it is our prayer that we all live for Jesus 24-7. I think I've heard that before. Verse 2. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but, how? For the will of God. And speaking about Moses, the writer of Hebrews chapter 11 says, Moses choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than, what? To enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. Dear friends, It's time for us to get real. If you notice, since August, my lessons have been a little different, haven't they? I have tried to be as real as I can with you. I have even shared with some things with with you that normally I would not share. Because it's time for us to make a choice to really get serious about Jesus. 
It's time for you to choose whether you're going to follow Jesus and experience, yes, mistreatment, abuse, opposition, ridicule, laughter, or follow your evil human passions and have a little fun for a little while. If you call yourself a believer, it's time to make a choice. Eight years ago, I had a funeral service that I officiated that was very different for me. Not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, five times. Either before, I think one was before the service started, and the other four was after the service was over. Five people who had worked with the man who had died said in various ways, I had no idea that man was a Christian. Now let that soak in for just a second. I had no idea. These people had worked with him 40 or more hours a week for years. They had no idea he was a Christian. And what's really sad is I knew it. I knew the problem. That funeral service, I talked little about him. I talked more about his wife. Because I knew at work, his language was not the language of a Christian. His actions were not the actions of a Christian. He was dog-eat-dog world type person. And he would climb over you to get the sale, to make the commission. He was mean-spirited. He was cruel. I had two conversations with the man, begging him to change. To my knowledge, he never changed. We've got to make a choice, friends. We've got to make a choice. Verse 3, For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. We spent enough time doing that. It's past, our past lifetime. We need to get serious about being a Christian 24-7. Can people see Jesus in my life? Can people see Jesus in my life? If you're going to face the hardships that it takes to have a life that matters for Christ, Arm yourself with His attitude. Choose to abandon your sin and expect opposition and hardships. Because friends, it's going to happen. Verse number 4. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them. They expect you to still be worldly. They expect you to still take part in their off-colored jokes, their crude remarks. They still expect you to party. We can't do that. We've got to be Christians. Can you picture for just a moment Jesus telling a crude joke? Can you? I can't. 
Can you picture Jesus taking part in some of those activities? No. Well, a Christian is supposed to be Christ-like. You're five. They need to see Jesus. And remember, you're, you're going to be the best picture, the best hope of them seeing Jesus. Mark Bellis, from a, he was a college professor in, Uni, in Liverpool, England, did a study back about 20 years ago. He actually looked at 1,064 leaders in rock and roll. You know, we tend to uh, kind of idolize people in music. You know, we got to look up to them. Here's what he found. The average age of American rockers of death, their average age for death was 42. For British rockers, the average age for death was 35. This was from the late 50s up through 1999. What does that say? The partying lifestyle may be fun for a short time, but in the end, it's a reckless waste. And after that comes the judgment. Your five need to know this. First Peter chapter 4, verse 5. They will give an account. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. One day, I'm going to stand before God. And I'm going to have to give an account for all the things I did. Both right and wrong. Both commission and omission. Things that I did not do that I should have been doing. You know, in the end, in the end, it, it doesn't really matter what your friends think of you. It really doesn't. Only what Jesus thinks of you makes any difference at all. Expect the hardship of criticism from people. But remember that their critical remarks crash and burn in the end. Lisa loves to visit art museums. I love Braves baseball games, so she goes with me to Braves baseball games, and I go with her to art museums. I'd, I only know about this much compared to what Lisa knows, but I know a little bit now about art. When people look at an art masterpiece, and they criticize it. That says more about them, the critic, than it does the art. How can anyone criticize a Rembrandt or a Michelangelo? If they do, it just shows their ignorance. In the same way, when people criticize a true, a true follower of Jesus, it only shows their ignorance. Ephesians 2, verse 10, for we are His workmanship. We are the Lord's work of art, His masterpiece. And He is so proud of us. We are His masterpiece. In 2017, the Kansas City Chiefs football team drafted a young quarterback from Texas Tech. 
Patrick was his first name. I don't agree with all his social stands, but I have to say this. As a football player goes, he's a pretty good football player. He is the youngest quarterback ever to win a Super Bowl MVP. But when the Kansas City Chiefs drafted him, what did all the experts say? Commentator on ESPN said, he'll never even make it off of the taxi squad. This is a terrible draft pick. Did those comments and they were many, did those negative comments get Patrick down? No. He ignored the criticism. He just played the games despite the critics, and he excelled in his career. You do the same. Just do what God has called you to do despite the critics, despite the hardships. Yes, anticipate some harassment and criticism, to be sure, but don't let it stop you. You keep on following Jesus and ignore that person on the sidelines who makes critical remarks even though he or she has never been in the game. If you're going to face the hardships of life as a Christian, that it takes to have a life that really matters for Jesus, Arm yourself with his attitude, choose to abandon your sin, expect abuse, and finally anticipate approval. Anticipate approval from God himself. Your five need this. They need to know that we win in the end. That we are victors. That we are the winners. Verse 6. For this reason the gospel was preached also to those who are dead. Christians who have already passed, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh. Men judge them, kill them for their faith. But those same people live according to God in the Spirit. The world can't stop us. The world has no answer for how they're going to stop Christianity. They've been trying to stop it since the first century, and they have never succeeded. Look forward to the day when you will hear your Lord say, Well done, good and faithful servant. It will help you to remain faithful to Him when you hear otherwise from some of the people around you today, know that God is always pleased. Your five need this so desperately. Sean and Leanne Tui. You probably don't recognize the name, but you recognize the movie, Blindside. About the couple, about the couple who adopted a young man, and he ended up playing football in high school. Well, Leanne, a few years ago, shared the following story. 
There are people, young children, who never are adopted in the foster care program. And they grow up and they finally age out of the foster care system. But there is a provision that once they are aged out of the foster care system and they're still under age, they can receive an internship with either a senator or a representative in Washington to work for them. One senator hired one of these kids that had aged out of the foster care system and he was put to work in the mail room for the senator. Well, the senator came to work one morning and the young man had already been there for some time. And he already had all the mail sorted and divided up into neat bundles and he had everything organized. The senator looked over and he said, wow, this looks amazing. You have done a super job. To which the young man started crying. Uh, did, did, did I say something to, do, to offend you? Did I, did I do something that hurt your feelings? The young man said, I have never had anyone in my life to tell me that I have done a good job at anything. Folks, in this world, there are so few people that will tell you that you did something good. But there's coming a day when you will hear those words from the Lord Himself. As Christians, you can expect unbelievers, and unfortunately, sometimes even Christians, fellow Christians, to be critical. But you will never hear that from Jesus. He will reward even a cup of cold water given in His name. So look forward to that day. Look forward to the day when you will be alive with Him forever. It will help you make through it, make it through each day with its individual hardships. Your five need this so desperately. If you want to face the hardships of life that takes to have a life that matters for Jesus, number one, arm yourself with His attitude. Two, choose to abandon your sin. Three, expect abuse. Four, anticipate God's approval that you'll be able to live a life worth living. A life that makes an eternal difference as you live it for Jesus despite the hardships that will come in your life. The daughter of a, of a chef was complaining. She had a lot of problems at school, a lot of opposition. She was a Christian, but the people around her were not Christians and they were making fun of her. So she voiced her frustrations to her dad, the chef. Her dad said, come into the kitchen with me. The dad, the chef, filled up three large pots with water, put them on high heat, and said, let's wait for just a moment. So they waited until finally the water was boiling in each pot. In each pot he placed, in one pot he placed some carrots, in the second pot he placed some eggs, and in the third pot he placed ground coffee beans. And he said, watch. 
So the daughter watched. In a few minutes, the dad reached in with a utensil and brought out the carrots. He said, look, these carrots went in hard. They were depending on their own strength. And what happened? They faced adversity, the hot water, and they become soft. They failed. Then he lifted out the eggs. He said, look, the eggs went in fragile, liquid inside a, a thin shell. What happened? Well, they faced adversity. They faced the boiling water and it hardened them. Instead of them changing the water, the water changed them. And they became hard, negative. Then he said, here, try this. And he dipped out some of the water in the pot that had the ground coffee beans. He said, taste this. She tasted it. It was, you know, nice coffee. He said, notice, the coffee beans faced the same adversity as the carrots and the eggs, but the coffee beans, they changed their environment for the good. You change your environment for the good. He asked his daughter, when adversity knocks on your door, which are you? The carrots, the eggs, or the coffee beans? I would ask you the same question. When hardships knocks on your door, which are you like? Like the coffee, use the hardships to change your world, your community, your environment, and make it better as you depend on Jesus. Are you a Christian? The easy steps right there to become a Christian. It's not complicated. As a Christian, do you need to seek forgiveness? The church stands ready to pray with you and for you. If you have any need to respond, please come forward as we stand and sing for your encouragement.